There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on Sirius XM Triumph, Channel 132. Wichita police and now the FBI are continuing to search for missing five-year-old Lucas Hernandez. A new lead has investigators going through Chisholm Creek Park in northeast Wichita, several miles north of his home where he was last seen. Looks like he was supposed to be sitting in his room, called her, he took a shower, and when she checked on him, he was no longer there. This is that his coat and shoes are still on the scene, and he's never wandered off before. Hernandez was last seen around 3 p.m. on Saturday. He was reported missing three hours later. Wichita police searched the area around his home, even going door-to-door searching homes. Currently, Wichita Police Department detectives continue to speak with family and follow up with any leads. We're in shock. He's a sweet little boy, and we're just concerned for his safety. We don't know where he is. We want him home safely. Please help us. A little boy, just five years old. Can you remember your children when they were just five years old? I can. A little boy, just five, is missing. He disappeared from his home while his stepmother was taking a nap. Lucas, age five, reported missing. I'm Nancy Grace. This is Crime Stories. Thank you for being with us. I want you to take a listen to Lucas's birthday celebration. Happy birthday, dear Lucas. Happy birthday to you. Blow out your candle. Good job, bud. You're five years old. Tomorrow. But from that happy moment, we land here now, today. What can we do to solve the mystery 
of missing five-year-old Lucas. Lucas goes to play, says a stepmother, as she took a nap. The hunt for the missing five-year-old has turned desperate. Lucas reported missing from his home in Wichita, Kansas, by his 26-year-old stepmother. The stepmother says she last saw the sweet little boy around 3 p.m. She took a shower and fell asleep. She wakes up three hours later. Lucas gone. The back door open. Lucas lived with his dad and the stepmother in the dad's home. He's enrolled at Beach Elementary School. I'm looking at the home right now. It looks to be a two- or three-bedroom home, neatly kept there on a corner. Police quickly jump into action using canines to search the home, the surrounding neighborhood, a nearby park. But every clue has left the police empty-handed. Please don't let this case go cold. Imagine if they weren't safely tucked into bed right now, if they were not at soccer or, or, or gymnastics or cheerleading or, or piano. What if your child was missing right now? How insane would you be? What, would you just run up and down the street screaming like an animal? Help me. Where is my child? What would you do? Help me. Help them. First to you, Chuck Roberts, Crime Stories investigative reporter. First, let's start at the beginning. That's where every investigation starts. We've got to establish a timeline and the circumstances surrounding Lucas's disappearance. Start. Well, the 26-year-old stepmom, and she refers to herself, by the way, as a live-in girlfriend, not the stepmom. But she's home alone. Her father is away on business. Uh, he's a 33-year-old contractor. Uh, and she last sees Lucas, a five-year-old child, a real sweet little kid with a speech impediment, uh, in his room around 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon. She goes to take a shower and lays down, and when she wakes up, no Lucas. Uh, she waits maybe two or three hours and calls police, uh, and they have uh, had a search in three area parks uh, ever since with canines and mounted horses and even drones, uh, but there's no sign of him. And she tells police that he's never wandered off before. Hold on. She waited three hours. During the three hours, I assume the stepmom was looking for the little boy. And, of course, that's the first thing you do. You look. You look, you look through the house, then you go, hey, is he playing? You look under the beds, you look behind all the doors, then you go outside. Did he go outside? You look in the cars, you look in the trunk. Did he somehow get in the trunk? You look around the, the swing set, then he's not there. Maybe you look back in the house again, is he playing a trick? Then you start looking further and further out, out through the neighborhood. You go to the playground. Where else could he be? Three hours later, she calls police. Now, what was the last thing you were saying, Chuck Roberts? Well, she tells, tells police that uh, the little boy has never wandered off before and that his coat and shoes are still in the house. So apparently he's barefoot. His shoes are still in the house. Hold on, hold on. So she's frantic. It and it's coat and shoes in the house. It's apparently cold outside. Do we know the temp there? I mean, how cold was it that it struck her? that his coat was in the home. But uh, you can't count on a five-year-old child to 
put on their coat because you know how much I had to struggle and argue with Lucy, my little girl, to put on a coat or a sweater. Uh, it was it was a, a knockdown drag out. Once or twice, I would say, "Okay, fine, go out without a coat," and then the whole time, I uh, I felt horrible. This only happened twice, and then I told Lucy that. Somebody was going to report me to DFACS, Department of Family Children's Services, if she went out without a coat again. And um, as a matter of fact, just so you know, Chuck, that night I called the house phone from my cell phone and I answered and pretended it was DFACS, calling about her being spotted out at Target without a coat. Can I tell you, she's never done it again. In fact, she's now gotten obsessively attached to a fleece, and she's stuffed the pockets full of, like, ten things of chapstick. She wears the fleece everywhere. My, I'm getting off topic. Jackie, what was the temperature quickly? Right now it's 29 degrees. Oh, my stars. Right now it's 29 degrees. So now I get and it. Snowing. Oh, and snowing. No wonder she thought she realized, of course. Uh, I mean, to Joseph Scott Morgan, it's 29 degrees right now and snowing there. So, of course, she noticed that the coat wasn't there. What would happen if he's out wandering around without a coat in that temperature? You know, Nancy, uh, at those temperatures, 29 degrees Fahrenheit with snow, uh, as we're looking at right now, uh, uh, we're talking about hypothermia where uh, the, it's, it's unsustainable. Uh, that's why this is so critical. And what I mean by unsustainable is it would not take very long for a tiny little child like this to succumb to the elements. Uh, if there's snow on the ground in particular, and I don't know what the status in Wichita has been for the past several days, that adds another layer to this. He's barefooted. Uh, we're talking about things, not just hypothermia, but also frostbite. Uh, so it is critical that, uh, that they find this child as soon as possible. I'm just hoping that uh, someone has wrapped him up. He's in a safe, secure place at this point. Well, I've got so many questions and I don't, want to um, put the cart before the horse, let me, and my assumptions, let me get the rest of the facts as we know them now. With me, Chuck Roberts, Crime Stories investigative reporter, Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert, professor of forensics at Jacksonville State University, Dr. Carol Lieberman, forensic psychiatrist, and veteran trial lawyer, Wendy Patrick, joining us out of California. I want to get back to the facts, and then we can try to make some kind of analysis, take a listen to what police say when they realize five-year-old Lucas is gone. It is with a heavy heart I'm here with you today. Still missing is five-year-old Lucas Fernandez. Lucas was last seen wearing black sweats, white socks, and a gray shirt with a bear on it. Our thoughts and prayers remain with Lucas and Lucas's family as we are diligently investigating the situation. On Friday, February 17th at approximately 6.15, officers were dispatched to a lost juvenile call at a residence in the 600 block of South Edgemore. When they arrived, they made contact with a 26-year-old female who is the stepmother of Lucas. She reported to officers that she last saw Lucas in his bedroom at approximately 3 p.m. prior to her showering and falling asleep. Officers and canine units have diligently checked the home and the neighborhood with no luck of locating Lucas at this time. Currently, Wichita Police Department detectives continue to speak with family 
and follow up with any leads regarding this unfortunate situation. Additionally, the Federal Bureau of Investigation has sent in resources as well as their child abduction rapid deployment team, their CARD team, known as the CARD team, to assist us with this investigation. Also, the Emergency Operation Command Center has been activated. So we are asking the community with has any information regarding this case, so please call TIPS in to 316-383-4661. And there will be individuals at our employment, or excuse me, Emergency Operation Command Center to answer those tips. Photographs of Lucas are posted on the WPD Facebook and Twitter pages. I know many of the community have shown willingness to come and take part in a search party. And we do appreciate the willingness of the citizens to come and help us in this investigation. However, at this point, we're asking citizens to share the information on their social media pages and call the tip line with any information. We do currently have investigators and officers that are con continuing to search the area for Lucas. Police reaching out to the community and across the airwaves to us and now to you. That tip line, 316-383-4661. 316-383-4661. As the minutes tick, the outcome gets worse. We know when a child is taken after the first 72 hours, they're most likely have been killed. We don't know that. We do not know that about Lucas. And hope goes on. I'm curious as to why an Amber Alert was not issued immediately, but police respond by saying they don't have any evidence that he was kidnapped. Okay, uh, Joe Scott, Carol Lieberman, Wendy Patrick, Chuck Roberts, back to you, Chuck. So police start a search. Tell me about the search. Where have they searched Chuck Roberts? They've searched three city parks. One is a huge park not far from an apartment complex where the couple lived as recently as last uh, spring. Uh, and then they fanned out to other parks, and they used horse patrols and canines and, and foot patrols. Uh, they have asked that there be not any organized civilian searches. They only want tips on the phone. They don't want people out wandering around and perhaps, you know, destroying, I guess, important evidence. But no signs so far. It's been several days, and as you say, as you say, the weather is clearly deteriorating. Then, uh, as of course it does in every investigation, the finger pointing starts, as it should when you're looking for answers. Nothing and nobody is beyond suspicion or reproach in a case when a child is missing and their life is on the line. Lucas goes missing from his family home in the 800 block South Edgemore, Wichita, Kansas. As you know, in that area, there are great swaths of rural terrain. Lucas last seen 3 p.m. in his own bedroom. He's only five. He's only five. And I can remember at five my children being snaggletoothed and beautiful and just watching them fall asleep at night and swearing to my Holy Father that they look like angels. He's four feet tall. Sixty pounds with brown hair and brown eyes. Weigh in, Joe Scott. 
Nancy, I got to tell you, uh, for me as an investigator, one of the things that I would want to do is the first thing I'm going to start with is his home. I'm going to rip that thing to pieces. And as horrible as the sound, uh, I, I would have to begin to explore this area that they lived in relative to any kind of predators that might live in this area. And the police are going to have their finger on the pulse of this. And I'm going to get some answers from these individuals, no matter what it takes, because right now this is not this is not necessarily an evidentiary search this this is a uh, this is a life-saving search at this point i'm going to use every resource like chuck was talking about just a moment ago at my disposal and i have no doubt that the wichita police are and we're going to expand this search out and just drag drag a net as you will through this area to try to uh, to try to try to overturn anything or, or uh, flip over any rocks that we can to find any piece of evidence that's going to lead to Lucas's discovery. Back to you, Chuck Roberts. I just don't know how anyone could harm a little boy like this. I'm looking at his flyer now. He's last seen wearing a gray shirt with a bear on it, black sweats, and white socks. To Chuck Roberts, Joe Scott Morgan just brought up the theory, as he should, of potential registered sex offenders in that area. Um, you know, there are maps that tell you the number of registered sex offenders in an area. It's very easy to do. You simply put in your zip code. Do we know the number of registered sex offenders in that area? I'm looking at it right now, the info that you sent me, it's 1171, Chuck. Is that the number that you got? 1171 registered sex offenders in Wichita. Is that the number you got, Chuck? It is, and the ratio of residents to sex offenders in the city is 333 to 1. 1171 sex offenders in Wichita. I'm just trying to take that number in very quickly. Attention, as it always does, to Wendy Patrick, veteran California prosecutor. Attention always turns to the family, the last person with the child, all right? The father's out of town. He travels for business. So the attention turns to the stepmother who's in the home. That's not unusual, Wendy. No, it's not. I'll tell you what is a bit unusual here, though, Nancy, as I've been listening to the reporting, is the fact that there was a two to three hour delay between the time she noticed the little boy missing and the time she alerted authorities. And you've mentioned the places that you would look. You'd look under the bed and the car and all of the rooms. But if this is a little boy who doesn't make a practice of wandering off, particularly not in that type of temperature outside, it does make it more suspicious. Nancy, you would have waited two to three minutes, as I think would have some of the other some of your listeners two to three hours is something that's going to be scrutinized with a fine-tooth comb because we live in a day and age where no one disappears without a trace there's forensic evidence there's eyewitness evidence there's something to indicate foul play so and and it's unfair sometimes that that this scrutiny focuses on the immediate family first but if there's no signs of forced entry we're going to have to let that play out before we turn our attention to who else may have lived in the area who could have done it? Well, statistically, and you know this as well, Joseph Scott Morgan, that 
when people are killed, when people go missing, when people are harmed, it's typically by someone they know. That's simple statistics. Statistics are not allowed in court. But that's a, a rule of thumb cops go by. So naturally, they start within the family. Now, here's something. I, I agree with every single thing Wendy Patrick just said. And I want to tell a story, Joe Scott, that you've heard a million times. Okay. So what Wendy said was, you would have called 911. I would have called 911 immediately as I'm searching outdoors as i'm searching under the beds after my first look around the house in the yard yes i will call 911 as i'm doing all that because now think about it guys there's a six hour lead if somebody has that child she slept for three hours and she waited two to three hours to call 911 that's six hours at the least what about the shower Add that in. You might be looking at seven hours. This woman entrusted with that child. The father leaves the child with the stepmom. All right? Seven hours. Yeah, I'm mad. Yeah, my voice is raised. Seven hours go by and you don't know where the child is? Here's the story. Remember it like it was yesterday. I got shamed at the community swimming pool by some mom who made her own organic suntan lotion for her children. Ugh. So I go to Babies Are Us with the children. I'm alone with them. And the, the shelves there go really from the floor all the way practically to the ceiling, it feels like. So I'm looking through the suntan lotion. I can't find anything like that. I'm certainly not going to make my own. Uh, and... I, I, I'm bent down, and I'm actually, I think I was down on my knees looking on the very bottom shelf. The twins were playing right behind me. I dig through everything, intent to do the right thing. Finally, I don't find it. I stand up. I look again. I turn around, and there's Lucy. No, John David. They were just to the point they could really walk, and it started to run. I flipped out. I had practiced carrying them both under my arms like footballs. I picked Lucy up and started running, screaming at the top of my lungs to put the place in lockdown, lock the doors. My son, my child, my baby was gone, screaming, crying. It was like a blur. I ran in my haste and my insanity ran past him he was all the way at the end of like three aisles down on the floor with looking at something and then you know i started run, running back and forth looking both ways down the aisles until i saw him i remember that moment now the investigation into the disappearance of lucas has taken a sudden and abrupt and nefarious turn i want to very briefly thank my sponsors who are making our investigation into the disappearance of little lucas possible it is legal zoom and legal zoom i really can't thank you enough for being our partner here on sirius xm 132 legal zooms national small business month could not come at a better time because 
2018 presents incredible opportunities because there are new tax laws, including the biggest changes for business owners in the last 30 years. What does it mean to you? LegalZoom helps you understand that. LegalZoom, not a law firm. They are a nationwide network of independent lawyers and tax professionals who can answer your questions and put you on the right track and keep you there, tapping into 16 years of experience to give business owners the tools they need to start and run their business the right way every day. Over the next weeks, find out how LegalZoom will help you during National Small Business Month. Don't miss it. Check out LegalZoom.com today. Special savings when you enter code NANCY in the referral box at checkout. LegalZoom, where life meets legal. LegalZoom.com, helping business owners across the country and being our sponsor, I'm proud to say, here on SiriusXM 132. LegalZoom, thank you. I want you to hear now the turn, the search for Lucas is taken. Let's just start with Lucas's great aunt. It's not, and because I was a CPS investigator myself, you know, I, I just feel helpless. She was sent photos of Lucas last year and saw multiple bruises on his face and neck. So she says she called protective services. All these stories I've been hearing for months about him possibly being abused. She only got more concerned after the father and son came to New Mexico for work. She says she and another relative saw more signs that the child was hurt. And so another report was filed in that state. They investigated and, and had a forensic interview and all that kind of stuff and sent them. Um, I guess the police didn't think there was enough evidence. Uh, when I first found out he was missing, I um, was suspicious and then uh, worried. To renowned forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Carol Lieberman, this is just adding insult to injury. It's just making my heart break. I mean, Joe Scott Morgan saved me a few moments ago when I broke down in tears about this four foot, 60 pound little boy with the big brown eyes and the snaggle tooth smile missing. And now I hear this from the great aunt, Carol Lieberman. Why, why didn't anybody act? Yes, that's the good question. Uh, DCFS has a tendency to leave kids in homes where they are going to continue to be abused and to take kids from homes where they shouldn't have been taken, and that's my experience. But, you know, the fact that this great aunt saw bruises and reported him and so on, the answer to this, to his being missing, I think is to be found in that home, um, not necessarily someone who abducted him. And I think the, the stepmother, who wants to be called the live-in girlfriend, is the first um, stop for for suspicion because, um, you know, look at that. She wants to be called a live-in girlfriend. Um, she, she wants to, you know, uh, take herself away from the idea of being a mother, a stepmother. You know, that in itself makes one think, well, did she not want this child to be in the house? Did she just want to be alone with the, uh, with the father? To Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, you take a a woman in her early 20s and put her in the role of stepmother. She steadfastly, as Dr. Carol Lieberman aptly, correctly points out, wants to be referred to as the living girlfriend. That that signals to me as well. I hadn't thought about it till Carol said it a lot. 
Just that. Uh, uh, and I'm not a stepmother. I'm the living girlfriend. Well, at, at, right there, it, it, to me, that's a clue. Everything is a clue, Wendy. Every tidbit, every word, every circumstance, the shoes, the coat, the bruises, the this, that it all gives me a picture. It gives me an answer to some degree. You stick a young girl in her tw early 20s as a stepmother. It sounds like, did, did she not want to be the stepmother? I don't know. But she's, re she's rejecting even the title of stepmother. And, and who would leave the child unattended for seven hours? You can't do that with a child. Yeah, you know, uh, Dr. Lieberman brought up an excellent point. The fact that this uh, this young mother-to-be, if she ever got married, would be the stepmother, but now she just wants to be called the living girlfriend. This is huge. If you don't take on the responsibilities, the enormous, awesome responsibilities of being a step-parent, you really wouldn't be investing the kind of care you should. Well, the first thing I thought of was, did somebody come over? Did somebody come over and take the child so quickly that there wasn't even the time to find the shoes? And did this live-in girlfriend know about it? That is an mm -hmm. excellent piece of evidence that you know would come up if this case ever went to trial in terms of not only the type of care and supervision that was going on in that home, but whether or not there was any friend that stopped by, um, another man that stopped by. You know, I mean, we could speculate. We don't have any evidence right now to back up any of those theories. But you're right to say that those clues start there right in the home as to who came and went. And that's an excellent point is you got to look at the dynamics between how was this mother approaching her task of even watching that child? We know the mother, the biological mother, had last visited about two months ago. I don't know if she lives out of state or what her position is, but I know she saw him a couple of months ago, and this is what the mother, which makes it all the more heartbreaking. You know, the parents are split. She lives somewhere else, and now she finds out her, her baby's missing, and she hasn't been able to see him for two months. And you think about all that, that time you've lost. She says, quote, find my son. He's terrified of water, so the fact the search has moved to a park that's surrounded by water terrifies me. Lucas is a sweet, sweet boy. Please find my son. The FBI has deployed its Child Action Rapid Deployment Team to help in the search. Wichita PD activated its Emergency Operation Command Center. Quote, by the dad, Lucas is the sweetest, kindest, smartest, most gentle little boy. He loves school. He loves fishing, riding his bicycle, playing with his siblings. It makes me so proud to say I'm his father, and we love him so much. He's a wonderful, helpful big brother. He's never been the type to run off without asking permission. He must be terrified being away from his family with no way of finding us, we are pleading. Can you imagine what the parents are going through, the mother and the father? Take a listen to the most recent presser from the police. We'd like to provide you an update uh, on the missing child case involving five-year-old Lucas Fernandez. Uh, this case is now considered a criminal investigation. Uh, investigators have arrested a 26-year-old female on two counts of child endangerment. Charges are related to new information gathered during this investigation. 
Officers and investigators have been working on this case nonstop since 6.15 uh, Saturday evening. We have collected information through countless interviews, follow-ups on leads, and examining evidence. This evidence, or I'm sorry, this incident has touched many in our community. I know that many, there are many more questions as a result of this. However, this continues to be a criminal investigation and we cannot go into further details. The search for Lucas is ongoing and we are still asking the public for assistance. We continue to provide every resource that we have available to find Lucas. This is our priority. Uh, if you have any information on where, his whereabouts, please call this tip line. Number is 316-383-4661. Um, as a result of this investigation, too, we would also like to thank other, those other agencies that have been assisting us over the past few days. Those are the FBI, KBI, the District Attorney's Office, and the County Sheriff's Office. That's all I've got at this point. Yes, 26-year-old, is that the stepmother? That is the stepmother. Emily Glass? Uh, it is 26-year-old female. The, uh, endangering the child, would that be endangering Lucas? That, uh, there are two children involved in this. So it's two separate counts or two separate children? There's two, two separate counts, correct. Would one of them be Lucas? One of those children is Lucas, yes. Do we know where the other child is? Or is is that her her daughter? Uh, going to that. Do you consider at this point that his disappearance is likely going to be a homicide? At this point in time, we hope not. Uh, we hope that we are able to find Lucas and that he is alive and well. Where are you guys searching now? Uh, this. Uh, Investigation will continue on as far as specific locations. There's various locations that we're looking at. I won't name any specific locations. Can you elaborate on the nature of endangering the child? Like, was it leaving the child alone or the nature of it? I won't get into the investigation charges. When was she arrested? She was uh, arrested about seven. You want more question? What information, and I guess when did you guys get that information that turned this into a criminal investigation? This has been a result of, as I mentioned, we started at 6.15 on this um, three days ago, four days ago. And uh, so as a result of all the interviews and throughout the investigation and stuff, and, and talking with people, uh, evidence that was collected and things, that's when we turned it into the criminal investigation as well. Have you guys been able to... Uh, verify her account of what happened in terms of her being the last person to see him? Again, that's all part of the investigation. I don't want to get into details of it, okay? And so I won't discuss that part of it. Well, right. It is possible there could be more charges. There is possibility of more charges, correct. Lucas's stepmother, the Kansas boy missing, has been arrested on two counts of child endangerment, according to Wichita PD child endangerment in other words leaving the child unsupervised emily glass in her 20s was arrested as police continue their search for lucas who she says was last seen in his own bedroom police say 
the charges faced by Glass are related to information they gathered during their investigation, which simply means not watching your child and they get lost. A hundred police officers searched the home, the neighborhood, and a 216 area Chisholm Creek Park. They have uncovered nothing to suggest Lucas was abducted. As you know, Lucas's great aunt, Sally Rasmussen, tells ABC she reported possible child abuse to Kansas Protective Services in May after seeing Lucas with apparently marks on his arms and cheeks. Why wasn't he protected? You know, that's a question. Joseph Scott Morgan, forensics expert and professor of forensics, you have testified in so many cases where children have been molested or abused. Do you know in all the cases I ever prosecuted where the perp was a family member, relative, or, or relative, I've never once seen the spouse side with the child. Never. Why? Why is that? I mean, I haven't shot target practice since I had to be licensed as a district attorney, assistant district attorney. But, you know, I would be sorely tempted Sorely tempted if anybody, anybody, including relatives, spouse, whoever hurt my children. I don't under I don't understand. I mean, how, how can there be bruises all over the child? Defects is called and nobody in the family acts. Yeah, I'm amazed by it, Nancy. The the idea that. Uh, no one acts upon this information. They're obviously uh, witnessing these things. I think that it goes to uh, this idea that uh, you bring you you brought this total stranger into your little family, and it's if you if you you know if you if you admit anything here, you're admitting that uh, that you brought uh, brought the devil himself into this environment uh, for your own purposes, whatever it is. I'm, I've never been, based upon what I've seen working you know, with the coroner in New Orleans and the medical examiner in Atlanta over all these years and all these cases I've looked at, I've never been a big fan of the so-called boyfriend and or girlfriend living in the house, in the family milieu. I think that it's a, it's a dangerous concoction because it goes a lot to what you guys were saying. She did not want to be referred to as in this particular case, as a stepmommy, uh, uh, you know, this, this whole living girlfriend uh, idea is just absolutely absurd. And now my thoughts go to Lucas, Nancy, this poor little child who has a disability already. He's got trouble with his speaking, this sort of thing. He's heavily dependent. His biological mommy is not around. She hasn't seen him, Nancy, in two months man and and here he is he's the back door is open it's freezing cold outside there's snow on the ground and this child has no one no one that is fighting for
for him. And I hope that, you know, anything that we can do to push this out there and just push this, this idea that he's out there alone. I hope that I do in my heart of hearts, hope that he is recovered, but I got to tell you, Nancy, based upon cases I've seen like this, it's just, yeah, it's sickening. It's absolutely sickening and heartbreaking. So many of us want children to love. Do we not? We want children that we can take care of. And uh, just to see these broken and battered little children like this just makes me ill. Chuck Roberts, Crime Stories investigative reporter. The little boy spoke to the aunt and described being dragged, according to the aunt, being dragged across the floor by the stepmother. Is that true? That is true. That's what she said uh, that he told her and that uh, that his stepmom was awful mean to me, was his exact words. Uh, and there have been at least two reports to uh, Child Protective Services in, in the Kansas area. Obviously, they opened their file, but uh, it's it's privileged information and, and nothing can be released from that state agency uh, to shed light on, you know, what happened, actually happened. But they also provided pictures of the bruises on his buttocks and his arm, uh, and you can see them um, plainly. Uh, they're, 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 they, they don't look very old, actually, and they look fairly recent. If they knew, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, if defects knew, if the aunt knew what the father didn't know, Yeah, that's a question, Nancy, that comes up in these cases. You know, I like what Joseph Scott Morgan said about, boy, that is the worst case scenario when you just have a living girlfriend caring for someone else's child who's not only just five, but five with developmental challenges. Now, let's add to all of that, Nancy, what you just asked, when there's also evidence of bruising and potential abuse. It's one of those cases where the reports were made. Thank God we're not looking in retrospect and saying, why didn't anybody report it? But does that reporting then led credence to the charges that have been filed about, well, now we're going to think that this is probably something that was the fault of the live-in girlfriend as opposed to outside forces? I got to tell you, that door being open in those conditions, that is going to be a huge clue one way or another. Did he wander off looking for his mother because the girlfriend was being, quote, awful mean to me in her own word, in his own words again? Or is it a more nefarious explanation? And if the latter why aren't there any forensic signs of anybody else being there? That is what makes the biggest mystery out of this case is so far the total lack of forensic clues. Well, Chuck Roberts, there were two incidents. First, the aunt sees bruising on the child's arm and cheek in a photo. And she reports it. Then the father brings the child to visit in New Mexico and she sees it again. That's two times Chuck, do i do i have this bass backwards or is this correct no that's right there, there were two separate charges uh, the most recent filed last spring and don't forget that uh, the, the biological mother and emily last the stepmother got into a fist fight uh, last december and police were called to beach elementary uh the, oh the my stars that's the boys gone. school Yes. So they get into a fist Uh, fight at the school. Now, I can't say that I would not be above a fist fight if it came to my children. Okay, I'm just like that. Okay, just just enough crazy to punch you right in the mouth if you mess with my child. Okay, now let's get back to the fist fight. Not judging. What happened? Do we know what happened? I know it's at a school. It's between the girlfriend and the mother, the bio mom. Do we know any more? 
Well, apparently the bio mom, uh, whose name is Jamie Orr, uh, went to school to check on Lucas uh, and found out that he had not been picked up as he was supposed to. And finally, uh, belatedly, the stepmom, Emily Blass, does show up and they get into an argument. Uh, and blows are exchanged and police are called, but no charges were ever okay, filed. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, hold hold on. Jackie's in here mouthing something to me. Hold on. I missed what, what did you, okay, so the mom goes to the school. Jackie, just turn around in your swivel chair. Let me hear this. I'm just trying to figure out what you're saying. Something about the stepmom. Okay, so the mother, the bio mom, comes to Beach Elementary to check on the child. Okay, what happened? Well, she notices that the stepmother, Emily Glass, uh, has not picked up Lucas and was supposed to. And the boy is just there, uh, doesn't know what happened. Uh, and finally, uh, the stepmom shows up and the two, the biological mother and, <clears throat> excuse me, the stepmom get into blows and police are called. But eventually no charges are filed. Hold on, Chuck Roberts. The brawl, the fist fight, the hair fight that goes down at Beach Elementary between the, the bio mom and the girlfriend that's not all we know about the self-proclaimed live-in girlfriend. Hold on a moment. Happy birthday, dear Lucas. Happy birthday to you. Blow out your candle. Good job, bud. You're five years old. Tomorrow. Just so you know, that is the biological mother singing happy birthday to little Lucas on his last birthday. Um, back to Chuck Roberts, you were telling me about the hair fight, as I call it, when two women get in a fight, pulling each other's hair and scratching and all that. This was a, an outright fist fight. Uh, they were not playing over the stepmom not picking the child up on time. You know, uh, Joe Scott, I keep going back to you because you know my children. Um, they expect me to be the first one in line at pickup. Okay, that's what they think is normal. I like to get over there early if I can, and then I let the windows up and I work in the car, and then they come out. Well, if I'm not first, if I'm, you know, 10 minutes into the pickup, which, you know, can last an hour and a half for all those cars, if I'm 10 oh. minutes into it, they get in the car and just look at me accusingly. And my sister-in-law, Jan, um, she... <laughs> married my brother Mac they she would go pick up her look, Sam at a certain time every day from Mama Mullins okay Mama Mullins took care of the children while Jan my sis, my sister-in-law's school teacher well Jan would always be first well one day she was last no no I don't even think she was last there were a couple little boys left anyway she wasn't first Sam well, he was like four would not speak to her the entire way home. It was, uh, you know, a long drive. And when she'd look at him, he'd look out the window. He wouldn't say anything. He'd just look out the window. They take it very seriously if it doesn't go. You know, let me throw this to you, Dr. Carol. Dr. Carol Lieberman with me, forensic psychiatrist, author of a brand new book, Lions and Tigers and terrorists oh my yes that's it lions and tigers and terrorists oh my on amazon dr carol they get in a routine and if that routine is thrown off that that messes horribly with a child's head if they get off their routine why is that 
Well, it's the routine, but also it's because in those seconds or minutes or, you know, however long it is that they're waiting, um, they get really scared that maybe mommy or daddy isn't going to be picking me up today. Maybe something happened to them. They feel abandoned. And so when they get angry, you know, they react by getting angry. It really has to do with their fear. Uh, I mean, you know, also, of course, they want to think that they're the most important thing in every parent's life. But it really has to do with a reaction to the fear that they felt in the time that they were standing there scared. You know, another issue is even an abusive parent or step parent or living girlfriend, even abusive, they still think they love the parent because that's that person, because that's all that they know. It's like an animal being mistreated, but they still respond when the master calls. It's just, it's a a bizarre scenario, but children don't know any better. You know what Jackie is waving her arms at Chuck Roberts. Um, she apparently didn't like my stories, my personal stories. She some for some reason wants me to get back on track. Chuck Roberts, Crime Stories <laughs> well, Investigative Reporter, you were going to tell me about another incident. Was it regarding the girlfriend, excuse me, the living girlfriend? It was, yes, uh, the 26-year-old. Uh, arrested in late 2014, misdemeanor brawling and fighting. That charge was dismissed. But then the couple, uh, Jonathan Hernandez and Emily Glass, the, the the custodial caregivers of uh, Lucas get into a fight uh, in April 2016 at the Wichita apartment that they shared, and they were both arrested. Uh, she allegedly held a wooden axe handle. Uh, there was blood on the handle, but the officers couldn't determine uh, who the primary aggressor was, so they dropped the charge against him, but they did hold her. To account for it, and she was arrested and charged Uh-oh. Uh-oh. with again misdemeanor you know, disorderly uh, conduct. Joe Scott, Wendy Patrick, to you, Wendy Patrick, California prosecutor, veteran prosecutor. I, I, I know defense attorneys will go berserk, but when you don't know a horse, look at his track record. That's already two incidents documented by police. Well, now, I guess, let's say uh, three, because there's the the incident with the father. There's the incident that she had a previous arrest. Then there's the incident with the bio mom to just add to the humiliation of the child at the school, for Pete's sake. That's three. Three incidents, and the child has popped up with two incidents of bruising that we know of and defects of course did nothing i don't know why we pay those people but wendy patrick that's a track record right there yeah nancy the tricky thing with the track record like that is the prior instances of abuse have a far more likely chance of coming into evidence than the prior arrests of the suspected perpetrator you and i have both just fought tooth and nail to make admissible prior bad acts, whether it's an arrest, whether it's a conviction. Judges often bend over backwards even to sanitize what a suspect has done in the past in order to make sure the jurors only judge the case in light of the facts that have to do with the current incident. So the key here will be to make those prior incidents relevant to the charges that are being brought. It's an uphill battle. It's one we always hope that we can fight and win, but it's not a given that the jurors will hear anything close to what the court of public opinion is going to learn about this case. I haven't even gotten that far in my head, Wendy Patrick. I'm still hoping against hope that there's a chance Lucas can be brought home. 
alive. That, that's what I'm hoping. I'm worried. I'm afraid because of the weather. The weather is horrible. Even right now, it's 29 degrees and snowing there. So bottom line, unless he's with someone, Joe Scott Morgan, he's perishing in the elements. The, we were talking about the pattern that had developed over the past and how things are inadmissible. Right now, what I'm worried about is this child, this baby, because he is a baby. He's five years old, Nancy. And we, if you want to talk about patterns, we have a pattern uh, involving this child of neglect. Uh, he's He's been struck. Uh, he's been witness to violence. Uh, and for me as an investigator and even bigger, you know, as a daddy, uh, it's terrifying to me because I, I want to know where Lucas is. I want to know, I'm holding out hope and sending up prayers that he is, in fact, intact uh, out there somewhere, uh, still among the living. Uh, but if, if worst case scenario, I want, I want to know going forward that I have investigative information that's going to give me an indication that I have how much violence has been involved and is an individual capable in his immediate circle of doing homicidal violence. Are they capable of, uh, of disposing of remains, that sort of thing, because that's going to give me a pattern that I can go to as a medical legal death investigator and try to determine his whereabouts. What are the possibilities that we're talking about? All the courtroom uh, lawyer uh, uh, fighting back and forth and continuing on in court and all that, that can be solved at a later date. Right now, the focus is on Lucas. We have to find him, and we have to find him now. Please help us. All of you truckers out there, all of you on the road, please look for this boy. Please help us bring him home. I feel sick in my stomach. My head says statistically and evidentiary wise, Lucas is gone from this world. But my heart says maybe there is a chance. Tip line is 316-383-4661. 316-383-4661. Where is Lucas? Nancy Grace, Crime Story, signing off. Goodbye, friend. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! 
Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible, Easy Breathe. Are you spending more time in your basement now that it's your rec room, office, playroom, or home gym? Well, you need to ventilate those spaces to remove stagnant, musty air. For over 20 years, the Easy Breathe Ventilation System exchanges dirty, damp air for cleaner, drier, healthier air. Take charge of your indoor air with your own Easy Breathe Ventilation System. You can get it installed or do-it-yourself kits available. Just call 866-822-7328 or visit TakeChargeOfYourAir.com. Get 20% off today. Thank you, Easy Breathe, for being our partner.